0: dutifully scrubbing a vast hardwood floor. Your scrub brush slides mechanically back and forth as you make your way across the large foyer. The wooden planks are full of grime again. Being a servant in your father's house is just bad luck. Things can always be worse. You don't complain about your work. You find a wealth of riches and the bird songs outside and the garden that you faithfully tend. You grab a pail of clean water and dump it one last time to rinse off the soap residue. You are anxious to head out to the garden to tend to the fruits and vegetables that are ripe for harvest. Your stepsisters call you Cinderella because they refuse to give you a proper bedroom with a fireplace. "'so you settle in to keep warm by the fire in the kitchen. "'This leaves your clothes completely covered in black soot most of the time. "'Though you try to smooth your clothes and clean your face of the black smudges, "'it doesn't seem to help much. "'While you were scrubbing the floor, "'you were able to overhear your stepsisters speaking of the prince's grand ball. "'He has invited every eligible maiden in the land to attend.' Surely this time your stepmother will acknowledge your position in the family and make arrangements for you to attend this grand event. (laughs) (laughs) Don't cry, my dear. You hear a voice from behind you in the garden. Don't cry. It will all be well. Chin up, there now. You've never met this lady before, but she is magnificent. She stands before you in an elegant blue gown draped with white flowers and ivy. She is old with lines around her eyes and silver streaks through her hair. Her voice is gentle and kind. You feel so comforted by the sound of her voice that you stop crying and look at her with wonder. The next few moments are a blur. Sparks fly. There's thumping and bumping. You see flashes of light from every direction. You feel a gust of wind hit you like a wave. Looking down, you see that your cinder-covered dress has been replaced by a glittering gown of gold. There now, dear. Fetch me a pumpkin and you can be on your way you bring her a pumpkin that you've been watching and caring for all summer. It's a large peach-colored pumpkin. Its soft flesh is as smooth and cool. You grab your pruning knife and cut it from the vine. Walking over to your godmother as she points to the ground, indicating where you should place the fruit, setting it down, you look up at her. She nods. No sooner do you put down the pumpkin than it turns into a glittering rose gold carriage. The story of Cinderella's pumpkin is the most famous pumpkin story to be told. At the time of its writing, Charles Perrault, a Frenchman, understood the symbolism of the pumpkin as the food of paupers. So, turning a pumpkin into a carriage was no less believable than turning a kitchen maid into a princess. You are listening to Naturalist Kids Podcast where we bring the stories of nature to life to encourage you in your quest to learn more about this great world. I am your host, Joy Cherick, and today I'm joined by Reagan, age 11. If you love our podcast and want to see more episodes like this one about pumpkins, please consider supporting us through our Patreon site, patreon.com slash naturalistkids. There you will find transcripts, nature study lessons, and additional resources to go with each episode. This is Episode 1 of Season 1. This episode corresponds with Nature Study Hacking, Cultivated Crops and Weeds. And this lesson about pumpkins fits perfectly with lesson 15 and 16. Nature Study Hacking teaches families how to get outside and use a nature journal. Head over to nature naturestudy.com. Hacking.com to learn more.
1: Let us consider for a moment how we use the pumpkin in modern life. We carve jack o' lanterns out of it. We go on hayrides at pumpkin patches in the country. We bake pumpkin pies and pumpkin bread.
0: The pumpkin is not a main source of nutrition in most of our diets, like it once was. Let's explore another question about the pumpkin. So is it a fruit or a vegetable? Now this is a tricky question. Most of us think that it is a vegetable because of how it is used in the kitchen. We cook with it.
1: Technically, it is a fruit because it grows from a flower and contains seeds. A vegetable, on the other hand, comes from a root stem, leaf, or even unopened flower bud of a plant.
0: So why do we decorate with pumpkins and eat pumpkin pie? Why do we ignore it the rest of the year? What makes the pumpkin different from a squash? Let's explore these questions as we learn about this American icon, the pumpkin. As I tell you the story about the pumpkin, keep in mind Cinderella and her ability to work hard and see what her story has in common with the pumpkin. For us who enjoy pumpkin pie with our Thanksgiving meals or take family pictures with them stacked around us on a bale of hay are entirely lost the significance of the pumpkin in the story. For hundreds of years, the pumpkin was just a common and ordinary plant in the garden, and it would remain an important food for the survival of families and their livestock until after the Civil War ended. In America, the pumpkin became a symbol of patriotism and an icon of the family farm. Pumpkins, or squash as they were called at that time, were cultivated by Native Americans Since the plant is native to Mexico, it was easy to cultivate. One plant could create dozens, if not hundreds, of fruit. Corn, beans, and squash were known by the Indians as the three sisters. These were generally eaten for every meal. The pumpkins were boiled or dried. The flowers, seeds, leaves, and skins were all eaten. Pumpkins are native to Mexico and the southern United States. So how did they end up in a story about Cinderella in 1697? There would come a people from across the ocean who would need to know about the pumpkin. Can you think of what group of people traveled from Europe across the Atlantic Ocean around the 1600s? That's exactly right. Yes, the pilgrims, of course, when the pilgrims landed in 1620, they were taught by the Indians how to cultivate corn, pumpkins, and beans, but pumpkins, being easier to grow and producing so much fruit with each plant, helped them survive. Colonists kept pumpkin patches regularly, and yet pumpkins were hardly ever sold in the marketplace at this time because Everyone had them in their gardens. This brings us back to Cinderella and her pumpkin carriage. At the time Cinderella was written, the pumpkin was food for peasants and fodder for livestock. It was inexpensive and represented the hard-working class of people it fed. The symbolism of common things turning into extraordinary and even beautiful things helps the reader to feel the weight and glory of what is being done to Cinderella in her transformation from a common, hard-working servant into a beautiful princess. The beauty is not just skin deep, but it seems that her position, like that of the pumpkin, is life-giving to all who know her. Cinderella's pumpkin carriage takes us from the humble, hard-working servant girl to the hard-working farmers and the newly founded United States of America. As the shift from an agrarian to an industrial economy began to put family farms out of work, farmers also started to see a rise in the demand of the pumpkin. Small family farmers were abandoning their farms to seek better wages in cities as farm work moved more into the hands of machines and big businesses. The transition of the pumpkin from fodder to holiday symbol is best summed up in this story of two businessmen. It was about 1900, and two men dressed in suits drove up to a small farm. They walked up the road and asked the farmer's boy if they could buy some pumpkins. Sure. The boy's father then told the boys to grab the cart and load it up with pumpkins and take them to the road to sell them. They were too valuable to feed to the pigs now. Modern pumpkin patches in America open each year for city dwellers to come, pick pumpkins, and reach back to our farming roots. Most pumpkin patches in America are located around cities. 95% of the United States pumpkins are grown in the state of Illinois, and they go into cans so people can eat them all year long. The pumpkin season in America is from October to January. It is difficult to find what we call a pumpkin in the store at other times during the year. Though you can easily find other types of squash. Today we are harvesting our pumpkins and we'll share with you what we learn as we observe them. When you buy your pumpkins this year to make into a jack-o'-lantern, take some time to observe it closely. Observe the pumpkin. What color is it? The one we have is called a fairy tale pumpkin. So Reagan, what does the rind feel like? Cool and
1: smooth. It feels like the table. What does the stalk feel like? Spike and rough. It's very hard. Wood. It feels like wood.
0: How is it attached to the rind?
1: It looks like it's grabbing on to it like fingers. There are points coming off several sections that grab onto the pumpkin.
0: How many ridges does the stalk have?
1: This one has five.
0: Which part of the stalk is wider?
1: The bottom part.
0: Look, we can see that this is where the flower fell off.
1: Yes, it falls off the bottom and the stem stays attached to the base of the pumpkin. Thanks
0: for taking a look at our pumpkin with me.
1: My favorite poem about pumpkins comes from a man named James Whitcomb Riley, and he was from the state of Indiana. He wrote poems using a local dialect, meaning he used the slang and accents of the people around him when he wrote to help the pieces come alive. We want to share a part of his poem, When the Frost is on the Pumpkin, with you.
0: Before we read the excerpt, there's a few things to know about farming life. Corn and pumpkin, as we mentioned earlier, were planted together. So when the corn was harvested, they would stack it upright to dry so that they could use the dried corn stalks for food for the cows and other animals over the winter. In this poem, he says the corn is in the shock, which means it's stacked up and twined together to dry in a shock. Another name for food is fodder, which is specifically food for cows and other livestock. So now when we read the poem, you will know what he's describing because it really is a marvelous country scene. Today we will read the first stanza of this poem and we will post a printable version in our patreon.com slash naturalistkids page as a gift to our patrons. When the Frost is on the Pumpkin by James Whitcomb Riley.
1: When the frost is on the pumpkin and the fodder's in the shock,
0: and you hear the cayuk and gobble of the strutting turkey cock,
1: and the clackin' of the guineas and the cluckin' of the hens,
0: and the rooster's hallelujah as he tiptoes on the fence.
1: Oh, it's then the times a feller is a-feelin' at his best,
0: with the rise and sun to greet him from a night of peaceful rest,
1: as he leaves the house bareheaded and goes out to feed the stock. When the frost is
0: on the pumpkin, and the fodder's in the shop. Thanks for joining us as we explored the history of the pumpkin today. Did you learn anything new? We'd love to hear from you. Please leave a review in iTunes. It will help other budding naturalists find our show. We will leave you with a quote today by Teddy Roosevelt. He said, the lack of power to take joy in outdoor nature is as real a misfortune as the lack of power to take joy in books.